This is your host, Nick Riley, and you're listening to the One Day Advice Podcast. Together, we're going to take a ride inside the world of personal finance. I'm going to give you a fully transparent, behind-the-scenes look into the financial services industry, helping you to optimize your financial life along the way. Today, I'm going to be having a discussion with Harkiran of Sekon Law. She is a virtual estate plan attorney. And Harkiran, do you want to kind of give the listeners a little introduction on yourself? Yeah. Um, so I am an estate planning attorney licensed here in Washington, and my practice operates virtually. So I help clients from start to finish get estate plans together. and. We do actually have an office still in Renton, but that will probably be changing in the future when we just go completely virtual. But that's something we still have for now. Yeah. And you were doing virtual before uh, the COVID-19 period, right? We were going in that direction. We had kind of already started to move everything online, and but we wanted to keep that physical location for folks who we had started with in person just to make sure that, you know, we got them to a good place before completely going virtual. Yeah, definitely. I I feel like that's just, you know, I'm I'm experiencing that more with my own practice too. More people wanting to meet virtually. It's just uh, more convenient to meet from their home and all that. And I have been operating virtually in my practice for the last few years as well. So definitely a, a great way to streamline uh, just making it more convenient for for clients. Absolutely, and just in this area that you know we're we're in the Seattle area, the traffic is bad. So yeah, I think <laughs> people like to use that road time for places that they really want to go versus the obligations. Exactly. Well, yeah, let's let's kind of kick things into the the meat of the matter here for the episode too. Uh, just for you listeners, I. I plan on having July as a estate plan a month to discuss with with clients to make sure that their estate plan is up to date and everything and wanted to kick off the month you know having an estate plan attorney uh, on on this podcast. So some of the things that we're going to be talking about today are going to be some of the common misconceptions about estate planning as well as how both estate planning and financial planning fit together. So maybe to kick things off uh, Harkiran, do you want to kind of go through some of the common misconceptions about estate planning? Sure. Yeah. So I'll I'll preface this with the uh, standard attorney <laughs> <laughs> statement that anything that I'm saying is just for general information and it's not legal advice. But some of the misconceptions out there that I've heard so far are one. Some people believe that you only need an estate plan if you think that your estate is going to be contested, which isn't true. You know, everyone who is an adult should have some type of estate plan together because it's really just putting something into play that directs where your assets will go, who are the beneficiaries of your choice. And if there are minors who are your beneficiaries, making sure that there's a procedure for those minors to get those assets seamlessly because without the estate plan, 
that just turns into higher legal fees and yeah. kind of a stressful situation. And then the second and probably the biggest, um, not so much misconception, but question I hear is, should I get a will or a trust or what's the difference? What, what will cover me? And that is something that is so specific to each person's unique situation with a with a last will and testament what i do like to let people know is that your estate will likely be going through probate because it needs to be filed with the court a commissioner will want to review it to make sure that it's validly executed where with a living trust on the other hand you are avoiding probate uh, and so there's a there's a little bit of privacy and efficiency there. Although in Washington state, I will say we're very lucky to have a streamlined probate process. Mm -hmm. It's not the big, scary, costly, arduous procedure that you'll hear about in other states. So a family can have a last will and testament, you know, for each parent and everything will go as it should just fine. And then, you know, another family will have a living trust and for for the reasons that are unique to them and everything will be fine. You know, both both are, I'd like to say the last will and testament, the work is backloaded because the work really starts when it's time to open probate as far as administering the estate. And then with a living trust, the work is front loaded because setting up the trust is where the bulk of that effort goes. Yeah. And there's so many different types of trust too, that, that can be involved, whether it's a special needs trust or, uh, I mean, even being able to, you know, have the estate you know, exemption amount in, in Washington and at the federal level. And, and that's where your know, trust typically come into play. Right. Yeah. There, there's so many different types of trust. There's so many different needs and focuses for those. And it really is kind of a Swiss army knife of estate mm-hmm. planning. You can use it so many ways. Yeah. And as far as you know, from a, a, a minimum perspective, like what is the absolute minimum that everyone should have uh, from an estate plan perspective? So the a- absolute minimum is you're going to want to have a last will and testament because even when you have a trust in place, you're always going to, you're still going to have a will as kind of a backup safety net. So I would say at the very minimum, have a last will and testament in place. And then also your durable power of attorney documents. And, you know, some people ask, can't I just have one? Why do I need both? And the answer to that question is durable power of attorney documents are effective while you are still living, and then they become null and void upon death. And then after death is when that last will and testament comes into play, because that's when the executor who you've listed in your will will, you know, take that to the court and file it and get that confirmation to act um, on their executor duties. Yeah, so the durable power of attorney does not automatically roll into being the assigned executor. Right, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And from a perspective of you know, where the financial planning and the state planning uh, fields kind of 
combined too from a financial planning perspective we all oftentimes you know we have retirement accounts for clients you making sure that the beneficiaries are listed as well uh any life insurance making sure that the proper beneficiaries are are listed and updated on a regular basis uh due to life circumstances you know through divorce or uh death in the family where beneficiaries you want to make sure that they that you know perhaps Maybe, maybe you can give a little overview on the per, per capita versus per stirpes as it kind of came to mind. Sure. Yeah. So just kind of the difference between what those two things mean. Yeah, I think those are two, two terms that people are probably uh, less familiar with. Okay. <laughs> We're going to law school for a little bit right now. Yeah. Um, so just a high, high overview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won't give like some kind of fact pattern question or anything, (laughs) (laughs) but so per capita means let's talk in terms of examples because I think that's the best way to really understand something. So, you know, say Joe has two daughters, um, Mary and Liz, right? And in his will, he's leaving everything to them per capita. So if one daughter predeceases Joe, then the surviving daughter will get everything. Um, and that's per capita. Even if the predeceased daughter had her own family, children, spouse, whatever, um, it, it's, everything's going to go to that surviving child, um, daughter. But with persterpes, it's different because say Mary and Liz each have their spouses and their families and the distributions are per stirpes, then what's going to happen is the share that would have gone to the daughter who predeceased Joe is going to go to her next in line descendant. Yeah. So to ensure that the, all of the grandkids uh, mm-hmm. are able to benefit from, from the estate. Right. Correct. Yeah. And uh, what are some other common misconceptions that that you had prepared for for this? Okay, good question. Or did you already go through some of the ones that you, well, you wanted to mention? I, I think we covered kind of the big ones, but um, we can. Another thing is, you know, why can't I just do a DIY estate plan? Yeah. So. What I like to tell folks about that is with DIY estate planning, those tend to leave a lot of circumstances and scenarios still on the table. Specifically, we're talking like legal Zoom as an example, and I'm sure there's some others as well for for do it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So that those tend to still leave a lot on the table and not account for, you know, things an estate planning attorney would think about and want to make sure that their client is covered for. And then also, well, kind of going back to that, you know, I had a client who had done a DIY plan and then eventually decided to sit down with me and create something a bit more, you know, personalized. And, you know, he was, He's like, wow, I was not asked even half of these questions when I went through setting up my DIY estate plan. So I I felt like that was a very, very illuminating, right? Yeah. And then also with DIY estate planning, you're not getting the actual follow through to make sure that your estate plan is completely set up. 
So, you know, you don't have an attorney making sure that you're signing it in a way that makes the document legally enforceable because each estate planning document has its own little uh, procedure as to how to validly execute the document. And then also, you know, making sure that the estate plan coordinates with the financial plan. There's no one helping helping through that with DIY estate planning. Because when I know that my clients have retirement accounts, life insurance policies, I'll either get their permission to directly coordinate with their financial advisor or financial planner, or I will give them the copy and paste language as to what they should have in their beneficiary designations so that we know that it's all cohesive. And and you're not going to get that with... DIY estate planning. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. And mm-hmm. just the going through the process of getting the questions and and it's amazing how you know so many times it comes up with clients. It's like, oh, I never actually thought about what I would do in that situation. And it's it's very hard to do that in a DIY type of process. But I think we were both agree uh, having something through legal zoom and having something in place is better than not having anything in place. And I, I know from a financial planning perspective, there's plenty of DIY options out there. And I always tell people, you know, I mean, it's better to have some, some sort of plan in place rather than nothing at all. But yeah, that's really helpful information. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, some people say, oh, I don't know that I'm ready for a trust, but maybe I'm going to want that down the line. Maybe I'll just do a will for now or, you know, whatever. And whatever you can get together, even if it's just kind of bare minimum, it is better than nothing. I will say that. Yeah, definitely. And and some of the things I I address from a financial planning perspective too, uh, kind of a, a low hanging fruit per se is you know, having a password protector, uh, like a LastPass or you know a one password, where if something were to happen to you, uh, you would be able to have an emergency person be able to take over uh, access to those accounts. So if if you run a household, uh, if you run all the finances for a household, and you were to pass away, making you know ensuring that your spouse knows where those assets are held. Uh, and has the login information or account information that they need in order to get those assets. So LastPass and, and others have a great mechanism in place where if if your emergency contact requests access, they would be granted that access if you were to not deny them in a certain amount of period. So uh, if you were uh, on the hospital bed, uh, you know, not able to respond, you know, that would enable your spouse or you know, emergency contact be able to get your information on your behalf. So I, I think that's a, a great thing to keep in mind. Yeah, a great practical thing to have because all of us have so many logins these days and it would it would make someone want to pull their hair out, I think, if yeah. they had to try to track down all of that themselves. I myself have a use an encrypted password keeper and I think I have almost over 50 logins. Yeah. So. They add up very quick. And and you know, from an estate plan perspective too, like my my grandmother passed away this last year and and 
it was, you know, these conversations we, we meant to have early on, but they're not conversations that are easily uh, done while people are alive. Uh, you know, no one wants to talk about these kind of sad scenarios and everything, but uh, definitely a, a necessity. And, and appreciate you having on this, sh- uh, having you on the show today. And maybe on a last note, you know, how can listeners get in touch with you? Uh, what's the best way to follow you? Yeah, so you can always uh, visit the SACON Law website for folks who are interested in learning more. And um, so the website's SACONLawPLLC.com. And I'll include, the, I'll include the the link in the show notes as well. Okay, that'll be great because not always the <laughs> most intuitive spelling for my last name. No worries um, there. And then on social? On social, we're on Facebook and Instagram, and we're just at Saycon Law PLLC. Great. Well, uh, that is great to keep in mind. I will make sure I include those in the show notes as well. And of Perfect. course, if anyone has questions, uh, you know how to reach out to me uh, if you're listening. And I'm happy to pass on the information for Harkiran that way as well. So Harkiran, it was great talking to you today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on here. Thank you for having me. This was great. Hi, I'm Nick Riley, the founder of One Day Advice. If you like what you've heard, we'd greatly appreciate your help in spreading the word. After all, we are financial educators, not marketers. Thanks for listening and remember to leave us a review. Nick Riley is the founder of One Day Advice, an independent fiduciary and fee-only registered investment advisor. Nick serves as a wealth advisor and educator to his clients. All opinions expressed by Nick and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of One Day Advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment or financial decisions.